Hey guys, welcome to the Men's Global Livestream. If you have a Bible, I want you to hold two spots, one in Acts chapter one and one in Acts chapter two, okay? We are in part two of a new series called The City. And the reason we're doing this is that every man watching this either lives in the city, is driving into the city for different things, maybe he lives in a concentric circle away from the city, or you live in a city's regional footprint. You know, people ask me, Kenny, where do you live? And I say, oh, I live an hour south of LA. Now, cities are not man's idea, they're God's idea. We learned that in part one. Cities are hubs for regions, for logistics, economic services, they're dense, they're culturally diverse, they're centers of art, power, science, architecture, right? Cities are a refuge for many that are too weak to live maybe in other places. They also are a magnet for power, all right? Cities put people together that are not like each other, which is challenging, right, in every way, right? Racially, right, philosophically, right? You have all this diversity in cities. Cities are restless, which makes them spiritual hotbeds and keys for evangelism for the whole region, all right? Now, why is this important to you and to me, whether you live in the city, you drive into the city, or you're in the footprint regionally of a city? Well, the Bible says that while man started in a garden, we're gonna end up actually in a city. You know, we read about that in Hebrews 11, where we read about Abraham in the Old Testament. He, he's seeking a city whose builder and maker is God. We read in Revelation about the heavenly city, right? And so whatever your attachment, you might be on this side of the spectrum. It's like, I love the city. It's so awesome. Or you're just like, I can't, I can't stand going into the city, right? Whatever side of the spectrum you're on, guess what? The city is the fulfillment of God's purposes and it's God's future redeemed structure, okay? That's number one. All of our futures will end up in a city, but let's, let's talk about more practically, all right? A city's in our future, but in the present, the Bible declares that our place in our city could be your place in your town, okay? Big or small, all right? But your place matters. We learned that in part one. Your time on earth, the specific time that you were born and you were placed, all right, matters. Whether that was where you were born or whether you were born in the suburbs and then you now live in the city or you lived in the city and now you're living in the suburbs, doesn't matter. The place where you live matters. The time that you're alive matters. In your city and your town matters. The people that you encounter in your city or town matter, okay? All of that matters to God. That's why we're doing this series. Now, here is also why this is important. It's in our future. Your time, place, and city matter to God. But wherever you live right now, wherever you're listening to this global live stream from, right now there is an epic spiritual battle for control of your city, community, or town. Your block. You can even dial it in even even closer, and that battle involves two kingdoms. 
One is the kingdom of this world and the other is the kingdom of God. The first kingdom's ruler is Satan himself. The other ruler of the kingdom of God is Jesus. And those kingdoms are clashing in the place, time, and city that you're in. Right the second, they're vying for control of people's souls, people's identities, people's energies, and people's expression. In fact, turn on the news and you'll see the battle in living color, right? Here's the reality. You and I are in the middle of that battle. And in part two, we begin to enter into the battle for our cities. What's our, what's our role? What are the specific ways spirit-empowered men are called in Scripture to come together and impact their city, community, town, block, right? And to get you thinking in the right direction for part two, I want you to think, all right, think of a time or season in your life, listen, where you felt, I don't know, controlled by something, some person, or some situation that made you feel trapped and powerless. You ever had that? I had a season of, the, of, of that time in my life. I remember when I felt trapped by alcohol and I was only 17, right? I don't know what your season of life is. Maybe, maybe you felt trapped in, 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 a, in an abusive family or maybe you felt trapped by a circumstance. Maybe you felt trapped by, by the family business. Maybe you felt trapped, I don't know what could cause you to make you feel trapped. We, we've all been there in some way or another by something, some person, or some situation where we felt involuntarily controlled, right? In a broken world, man, no one makes it through this life unscathed by losses and setbacks. You know what the Bible calls those times and seasons? calls them Egypts, all right? There's a literal place called Egypt, and then there's a symbolic place called Egypt. And if you remember, if you're a Bible reader at all, or, you know, you've seen the Ten Commandments, you know that, that Egypt, for God's people, was a place of slavery. It was ruled by a pharaoh who oppressed God's people. And when, when you're in a literal Egypt, like God's people were, or you're in a spiritual Egypt of living on a broken planet, right? They disable your spirit. They mess with your self-perception. And you know what the dominant feeling is? The dominant feeling is isolation. Now, just like God came into this situation we read in, in Exodus, right? He came in with his good intentions for his own people in the midst of their literal predicament. Do you know that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever? And he intervenes now when people feel like they're in a, a spiritual or psychological Egypt that's oppressing them, that's harassing them, that is controlling their thoughts and their energy and their expression, right? What's his intention? Both literally in history, we see it lived out, and what's his intention 
for those spiritual Egypts that we find ourselves. Well, his intention is for us to experience freedom. Can I get an amen? For the one whom the sun sets free, that's right, I know there's a chorus out there behind that camera, is free indeed, right? He wants people to experience authentic freedom. In the Old Testament, we see authentic freedom got experienced through deliverance from a worldly Pharaoh who was oppressing and enslaving God's people. Now, there is another Pharaoh who's alive and well and active and creating spiritual Egypts for people, and his name is the devil. And he enslaves people through the power of his lies. And when those lies are believed, it creates captivities, right? Created by the liar, Jesus called him, his lies, and people believing them. Lies about the world, lies about themselves, lies about others, lies about other races, lies about rich and poor, lies about men and women, lies, I mean, you name it. He's, he's full of it, <laughs> full of lies, okay? Now, God simply says, to men of God right now, just like he said to Moses, right? In that time of literal enslavement of God's people, there is a time right now, and just turn on the news. I mean, shoot, you know, mass shootings and terrible things going on. But there are people enslaved by lies there, and they're living out those lies, right? You know what God says? to Pharaoh in Exodus, and he says to the Pharaoh of this world, enough. Just like he said to Moses, hey, go to Pharaoh and tell him that I am says enough. Let him go, or there will be consequences. You know what God is speaking that right now? In our world today, you turn on the news. In the midst of these, these captivities, right, created by the Pharaoh of this world, Satan himself, we see people being set free emotionally, physically, spiritually. It's just so awesome to see. There's a new spirit, the Holy Spirit, breaking in to all of this oppression and harassment. See, you know, deliverance is only meaningful in the context, listen, of massive oppression, right? That's the context for, for deliverance, oppression and enslavement, all right? Then you get deliverance, right? Now, when I talk about this, I, I realize that there are a lot of guys watching right now and they're feeling oppressed and harassed and enslaved by something, okay? Could be something that has control of you, could be a circumstance that that's kinda has control of you, could be, and it messes with your head, doesn't it? Get you thinking not so great thoughts about yourself, about life, about other people. And God wants to set us free from the lies that we believe. And our model for this is Jesus, all right? And the men that we see him train, and he sends them into a city from a region outside the city. So interesting. Where you have guys who are not really from the city going into the city working with other men in that city to literally turn a city 
upside down. So it doesn't matter if you're in the regional footprint, you're in the burbs, or you're in the heart of a major city. Guess what God is doing again? God is doing that same thing again to set people free and to call down a witness of his power. God's spirit is moving in cities, men, and we're all connected to one. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna take a look at Jesus doing this and how a movement of spirit-empowered men turned a city upside down. That's the model in scripture. And what Jesus and the disciples model for us, listen, it's meant for us today. And at Everyman Ministries, we are committed to reaching cities and doing it the way that Jesus and his men did it in the Bible, reflecting what God did. So here's what we're gonna do. Let's look kind of at that time, all right, where Jesus and his guys, they're, they're kind of talking, they're huddling. He's gotta go to the cross and, and, and they're, they're kind of quizzing him. He's trying to tell them what's going on. And imagine they're together for the last time before, man, it all comes down. Judas betrays him. The Roman soldiers come. He goes through the kangaroo court, right? And he ends up being sentenced, tortured, and crucified. This is the last conversation before all that goes down. We, we pick up the convo in Acts chapter 1. It says this, when they were together for the last time, they asked, Master, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel now? Is this the time? He told them, you don't get to know the time. Timing is the Father's business. What you'll get is the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you will be able to be my witnesses in Jerusalem. Now, I know Bible people, there's more of that verse in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts. But for now, for this series, the city, I want us to focus on what happened right where they are in Jerusalem, okay? Let's unpack four little observations, okay? All right, number one, the disciples expect Jesus to move decisively, right? Master, okay, that's Jesus. Are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel now? It's interesting, they're like, okay, this is, they, ha they have expectations too, and they have expectations they're placing on Jesus. And they expect him to, to, to take over. Like the Lion of Judah is gonna come and militarily kick out the occupiers of Jerusalem and Palestine, the Romans, right? They think the Lion of Judah is coming now, but they don't realize that the Lamb of God has to die for the sins of man first. So, but here's what's going on. They expect Jesus to move decisively. Jesus, write this down on the other hand, expects the Holy Spirit to move in and through them decisively. <laughs> it's so interesting how expectations, uh, Jesus adjusts our expectations, amen? So we think, oh my gosh, he's gonna do this. And then Jesus goes, no, I love the language. He says, what you'll get. So hey, forget about that other stuff, that's the future and that's God's timing and it's none of your beeswax. But here's what you're gonna get right now. <laughs> okay, goes right to the present. You're gonna get the Holy 
Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is gonna move in you and through you decisively, okay? Now, that's the expectations. What's, what's the focus of Jesus' guys? The disciples, write this down, are focused on their nation first, right? Are you gonna restore Israel, all right? The big macro picture, right? But let's look at what Jesus focused on. Write this down. Jesus focused on their expression for him in the city first. Wow. Okay, so this is where they were. They were in a city. Some of them came from outside the city, right? Well, all his guys came from outside the city. But they're in the city right now. And what are they, what's Jesus focusing them on? He's saying, guess what? This is what you're going to get. Holy Spirit's going to come on you. And then you're going to be my witnesses in this city. Okay? So it's an interesting assembly of people. It's an interesting of people coming into a city to impact the city. Uh, we're going to see as, as we roll on in this series how others will join them, that they're used as catalysts to spark revival in the city of Jerusalem. So Jesus prophesies in their last time together, an outpouring of God's spirit. Guess what? What he says happens. The Holy Spirit comes on them, right? And Western civilization is born, literally. Christianity hits the map on the planet and it's catalyzed by a small group of guys. Let's, let's watch that moment, all right? In Acts chapter 2, verses 14 to 21, it's quite a spectacle. Then Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd, Listen carefully, all of you, fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem. Make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk, as some of you are assuming. It's 9 o'clock in the morning. is much too early for that. No, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. I will cause wonders in the heavens above, signs on the earth below blood and fire and clouds of smoke. The sun will become dark and the moon will turn blood red before that great and glorious day of the Lord arrives. But everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Okay, couple things going on here, all right? There is a, an explosion of revival that's happening in a small group of men. Okay, um, you've got Peter and 11 guys and just, they were the guys at the last meeting and he said, this is what's gonna happen to you, you, you 12 guys. The Holy Spirit's gonna come on you and then you are gonna start testifying. Now, this is the same guy and the same men who, you know, when Jesus was being crucified, just went pew, right? They disappeared, right? You can tell right there when you're standing up in front of thousands of people 
they're stepping forward. Boy, isn't that a good metaphor for what God is calling his men to do as a group, as a team in every town, community, and block, right? Then Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles. You know what that's called, fellas? That's a men's group right there, right? And they'd been with Jesus. A men's group that had been with Jesus. They stepped forward, and guess what? They raise their voices. They start to explain what God is doing in the midst of a city. And you know what the image is? The image is of a volcanic eruption. Blood, smoke, fire, the sun becomes dark. You know, that's what happens when there's a, war, a massive worldwide eruption. I mean, just Google Krakatoa, 1883, right? A phreatomagmatic explosion of a volcano that the explosion could be heard 3,000 miles away, sound waves going around the earth, ash fills the air, changes the world's temperature for the next five years and lowers it, right? Because there's so much ash, the sun can't get through, right? But it's like an explosion. It's really cool how Jesus tells them this is what's gonna happen Peter steps up, it happens, with his men's group, and changes Western civilization, where? In a city, right? There's this explosion that then goes to the rest of the world. I want you to remember that because that is what God is up to right now. God is pouring out his spirit on individual men who then form their identity around Christ, that identity finds its way into a community of men who form their identity around Christ, and identity and community starts leading to bravery in cities. And you gotta remember that Peter and his buddies are in a city, but they're from outside the city. But they're igniting revival in the city, and guys in the city are combining with them, but someone's gotta step forward, and that is what God is calling his men to do right now all over the world. Fellas, there's 700 million men, roughly, who claim the name of Jesus all over the world. Can you imagine if they stepped forward as individuals and in groups of 11, groups of five, groups of six, filled with the Holy Spirit to do what the original disciples, now, Here's what I want you to write down. An entire city was asking this question. What has gotten into them? Peter has to explain. These guys aren't drunk. I know they're behaving so out of character, but what you're witnessing is an act of God, right? The whole city is witnessing this. And he's got to explain, hey, listen, this is, this is God. You know what? I just believe with all my soul that the way the church was birthed is the way the church is going to culminate and the return of the king is going to happen with a massive movement of spirit-empowered men doing this. All right. So it happened. Jesus had the meeting. He said it was going to happen. And then all of a sudden, this witness starts to unfold, all right? The Holy Spirit coming on men. The Holy Spirit giving them an identity, right, in Christ. 
and filling them with boldness, then identity and community, and then identity and community leading to bravery, and they step forward. So what happened, all right? They just, they started to do what Jesus did, right? They start to proclaim the kingdom of God. They start to self-reproduce this encounter with the Holy Spirit and Christ, right, this deliverance, okay? They just left their emotional, spiritual, psychological Egypt, fellas. They're free now, because you know how you know? They just don't care what men think. They fear God more than men. They're out of Egypt, man, and they're free indeed, all right? So, if you have the downloaded notes, you'll see, in my city, captives need releasing. So you've got this group of guys. They've been set free, but now guess what? Their own experience becomes the expression, okay? Now, we need to see a little historical context that, that this idea of releasing captives, okay, in experience, this is a huge part of not just the character, but also the conduct of God. We read about it in Exodus chapter 13. We're gonna put the verse on the screen. This is from the Old Te Testament, and this is from the literal deliverance of the people of Israel from Pharaoh. And this is a reflection on this. Let's read it together. So Moses said to the people, this is a day to remember forever. The day you left Egypt, the place of your slavery. Today, the Lord has brought you out by the power of his mighty hand. So there you have the core shaping experience of God's people. And that core shaping experience, you'll see if you read the Old Testament at all, gets reflected upon and reflected upon and reflected upon, reflected upon, reflected upon, where there is a constant remembering of what? Their deliverance from a literal Pharaoh from enslavement. And God wants them to remember that forever. So that's the shaping experience of Israel. Now in the New Testament, what's the shaping experience? Well, we read about that in Colossians chapter one. It says this, God rescued us from dead end alleys and dark dungeons. He set us up in the kingdom of the son he loves so much. The son who got us out of the pit we were in, got rid of the sins we were doomed to keep repeating. Wow. So in the New Testament, we get delivered too. We get delivered from Satan, who is the Pharaoh of the world, Sin, which enslaves, right, and self. Satan, sin, and self. And we get set free because the one whom the Son sets free, come on, is free indeed, okay? So I want you to see this context, all right, and this experience, the shaping experience of God's people in the Old Testament, the, the foreshadowing of what would happen spiritually to all believers who put their faith in Christ, they would be set free. And then we see this, this lived out in a city by Jesus who predicts, right, 
this massive explosion and release, right? From fear into faith, they get delivered, right? Before this moment in, in Acts chapter two, they're living in fear, they get delivered from fear, they start living in faith, and man, they turn a city upside down. So let's just kind of get some principles from scripture for us today, all right? Number one, write this down, delivered ones remember their captivity. That's why at the top I said, do you remember a time when you're, boy, you know what? I remember my captivity to people's opinions of me. I remember my captivity to getting approval. I remember um, my captivity to alcohol. I remember my captivity, and this was before I met the person of Jesus. I remember my captivity to fear, right? But it looked like pride on the outside because behind pride and puffing is actually you're afraid of something. Afraid of losing power, losing control, losing acceptance, right? Do you remember your captivity? In the scripture, in Deuteronomy 10, we just see one of these mentions, right? It says this, you yourselves were foreigners, where? In Egypt, the place of captivity. Now, you remember, you know, when God's people landed in Egypt, they came and they prospered for a little bit until leadership changed and then they started to get oppressed. Okay, turn on the news. You kind of see that going on right now? You see a lot of post-Christian behavior. Leaders have changed. You know, forces have changed, voices have changed, right? And spiritually, we need to see that we were in a spiritual Egypt. The, God's people were in a literal Egypt, and they had to remember their deliverance. They saw signs and wonders. You know what? God's power moved in our lives, and he delivered us from the Pharaoh of this world. We were under the control of the world and its maestro, Satan, the flesh, and the devil. And we need to remember our captivity because you know what? That provides the context for our behavior now. You know, delivered ones, we're, we're in that group. Remember where they used to be. It's good sometimes to go, man, this is my life before Jesus. This is, that was, I was captive, right? Number two, write this down. Delivered ones, Fight for everyone's freedom. Listen to the Old Testament language. We're gonna see some New Testament language, but this theme of getting delivered, the shaping experience, remembering that and let it shape the way you, you look at other people carries over. But look at what it says in the Old Testament, Deuteronomy 10, 17. It says, for the Lord your God is a God of gods and the Lord of lords, the great, mighty, and awesome God who shows no partiality and accepts no bribes. God wants to deliver everybody, right? Now, he has a plan to do it. He planned to do it. He encouraged Israel to be that, that chosen people, that race that experienced deliverance, but also a people who reproduced their experience in the way that they treated others, right? The way, the way, God treated them, right? 
They didn't deserve it, but he did it, right? And so delivered ones remember their captivity. Delivered ones fight for everybody's freedom. And then three, write this down, delivered ones defend the vulnerable, okay? Listen to this, Old Testament, it's gonna make its way into the New Testament because God is consistent. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Deuteronomy 10, same chapter. It says, he defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow and loves the foreigner residing among you, giving them food and clothing. Wow. You wanna know what boils God's blood and breaks his heart? It's when people suffer, right? At the hands of neglect, right? There's, there's capacity and ability to help people, but then people give others, especially the foreigner, and it doesn't have to be an ethnic foreigner, it could be someone from a different culture, it could be someone who's not like you, okay? Foreigner has a lot of expression, but there's also the fatherless, there's also the widow, right? Now, you have to understand that in this time, right, we're talking about broken male culture as the, the engine of all of this behavior, right? God's saying, I defend the fatherless, I defend the single moms or the widows, I defend and love foreigners residing among you, giving them food and clothing, right? And he's expecting his people to have the family resemblance, right? Remembering their captivity, fighting for everybody's freedom, defending the vulnerable, right? Now guys, here's the reality. Most of the vulnerable that you see out there, whether they're fatherless boys and girls wandering lost with no models or mentors, without love, time, talk, and attention from a father, which is so formative, the fatherless. Single moms, guys who made babies with a woman, knew how to make one, but then left the mom for whatever reason, didn't stay with her, she's vulnerable. Uh, what about sexually trafficked women? You know, it's interesting. The cycle of fatherlessness creates a seeking and a wandering of children and boys and girls wander, girls, 42 million of them wander right now today, as I talk to you, into human trafficking. Wow. Broken male culture. Now, if, if unhealthy male culture is responsible for a lot of these injustices that cost billions of dollars, get a lot of attention, but it doesn't seem like they're really stopping and there's no solution. Well, it's because the heart, character, and conduct of men hasn't changed. You know what the best solution for the vulnerable is? Spirit-empowered men. Justice and love are one spirit-empowered man away. That's why Every Man Ministries is so committed to the vulnerable, and the way we show our commitment to the vulnerable is we are going to cities and we are igniting revival in cities. And that's why I'm doing this series called The City, 
because I want to invite you into it. And it doesn't matter if you're in a region, in a suburb, or in the heart of the city. It's our region and footprint. But we need to defend the vulnerable. If this is God's heart and God's in us, this is us. Last observation, delivered ones share their deliverer's heart. Okay, now, we were not delivered by Yahweh in the Old Testament, right? In that historical time and space. The Jews were, right? The people of Israel were. And God said, remember that, and fight for everybody's freedom, and defend the vulnerable, because you were vulnerable, and I delivered you, and share my heart. Now, fast forwarding, see the consistency between the God of the Old Testament and the God of the New Testament, Jesus, God incarnate, and we, we hear this. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So the spirit of the Lord comes on a man and he starts addressing people trapped, people isolated, people who are vulnerable, poor captive, blind, and oppressed, right? These depict literal conditions. They also depict the spiritual conditions of human beings, the psychological condition of human beings, the spirit of human beings, the condition of the soul, frames of mind, levels of insight, degrees of bondage, poor, captive, blind, oppressed, and these are bondages the Holy Spirit, listen, has been commissioned to fight against in order to bring what? Freedom, to deliver people from these bondages of the world. And it's Pharaoh, the devil, who lies and enslaves and makes people to suffer physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Now, all of these conditions require deliverance. And Jesus says, I'm coming, right? I'm coming to the poor, I'm coming to the captive, I'm coming to the blind, I'm coming to the oppressed, I'm coming to Egypt. And I'm saying, enough. The I am says, you let him go. Now, if that's Jesus, and Jesus lives in you, and Jesus lives in us as community men. And Jesus lived in Peter and the 11 who stepped forward. Don't you think that he wants to do the same thing in your city, in your community, in your block, in your town? Through spirit anointed and empowered men that he lives in? Wow. Wow. He wants to do that and he is doing it. And that's why every man ministries is again so committed to the city, right? We want to throw gas on the embers of faith 
of men of God, called by God to release captives in their city. Men who remember their captivity, men who will fight for everybody's freedom, men who will defend the vulnerable and share the heart of Jesus. Now, if you're on the notes, the next headline is, people are trapped, right? Delivery men wanted in your city. <laughs> How many of you guys had an Amazon truck pull up to your block or apartment complex or house in the last month, right? Seems like they're everywhere, right? They're ubiquitous, they're everywhere. Well, guess what? In a spiritual sense, right? We're not delivering packages. You know what the men of God in a city are delivering? Through the power of the Holy Spirit in them? Freedom, that's right. Bible talks about that in 2 Corinthians 3, 17 and 18. It says this, for the Lord is the Spirit and wherever, okay? Circle that on your downloaded notes. Wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord and the Lord who is the Spirit makes us more and more like him, Jesus, as we are changed into his glorious image. You know what God says? Write this down. My spirit in you can deliver people through you. We have just read that we are becoming more and more like Jesus. We have just read for where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Upon belief in the person and work of Jesus for you, the Bible says that God poured the spirit of his son into our hearts. And you know what happens wherever that spirit goes and wherever that spirit is and wherever that spirit is animating freedom. You're getting set free individually. And guess what? You're re reproducing that deliverance and freedom in the spaces and places where God has put you. Wherever you go, the Holy Spirit goes. Wherever the Holy Spirit goes, the mission is setting people and circumstances free from under the bondage, right, of the Pharaoh, Satan himself, the world, the flesh. And it's a war. Of course it's a war, right? But that's why we're coming together and that's why God is raising up men. That's why men like Peter and the 11, they're popping up in little groups all over, out in the, the, the regions of cities, in the suburbs, in the hearts of cities. And guess what? We're coming together. And fellas, need your help. We want to gather all of us and then we're gonna serve the city. We are gonna do what we're gonna talk about in, in the ongoing sessions of this series called The City. I'm gonna release captives though. That's our mission, don't forget it. You know what your mission today is? Release captives. How? Right? Be filled with the Holy Spirit, right? Speak into, speak the gospel, meet a need, right? Poor, captive, blind, oppressed, anybody who's in bondage, literal material bondage, emotional, psychological bondage, right? Groups of men, it's cool. Now, Jesus prophesied that we would be doing this, right? John chapter 14, verses 12 through 14 says this, the person who trusts me will not only do what I'm doing, 
but even greater things because I, on my way to the Father, am giving you the same work that I have been doing. You can count on it from now on, whatever you request along the lines of who I am and what I'm doing, I will do it. That's how the Father will be seen. For who he is in the Son, I mean it. Whatever you request in this way, I'll do. Do you have the faith right now, man of God, to join me in this living word? Whoever believes will do the works that I've been doing and greater things than these will they do. Can you count on it? Are you in? Can you pray with me? For cities all across this country, every man is going after 20 major metro urban cities, the suburbs around those cities and the regions around those cities, gathering men. Will you give? Will you sponsor a city? We're going to bless the city. We're not going to charge for these dangerous good city transformation conferences. Can you enter in? to the prophetic word that just came to you from Jesus himself, the living God, we're going to do what he did. And you know what he said? The spirit of the Lord's on me. Poor, captive, blind, oppressed. They're going to get set free. Jesus, this is Jesus. Jesus is in us. This is us. Our time in history matters. Our place on the planet matters. The city that we belong to matters. Would you join me? in prayer. Father, we, we accept for all willing men, able-bodied men, men of the Spirit, men who have an authentic versus synthetic relationship with you, Lord, we receive the prophetic living word of God upon us. Whoever believes will do the works that I've been doing, the same work of setting people free. It's not by our power, it's by your power, the power of the Holy Spirit living in us. And we realize we're in a spiritual battle for the places and times and cities that we're a part of. And God, along these lines, Jesus, you said that if we ask the Father, that you would answer. Whatever we pray along these lines, you would answer. And so, Lord, we're going to start praying for cities in our country we're going to start praying for the rising up of men of God. We're going to call down the kingdom of God. We're going to call down your kingdom resources, Lord. The needs are massive, but so is this movement. So, Lord, we're okay with asking you for all the resources necessary to reach 20 cities in 2023, 2024, Lord. We're asking you right now to provide that, to unlock Men right now, even men on, on the other end of my voice, Lord, they're, they're kingdom men, they're gospel patrons. Lord, some men have just sold their companies. Some men have cashed out. Some men are sitting with a lot of cash on the side. I can see it, Lord. I pray for the raising up of men, the gathering of men, oh God, so that we can reach cities, Lord. They're important to you, Lord. We're going to end up in a city in the future. We all belong to one in some way, regionally or locally. And God, you're going to use the Spirit just like you used the Holy Spirit on your men. They stepped forward. Peter stood with the 11. God, I'm praying for hundreds of thousands of men's groups to rise up and to join us, Lord, in a movement that's going to change the world. This movement went from one city to another region to another country to another continent. All the way around the world, we're still in the blast zone 
of this volcanic eruption of the Spirit, Lord, right now, still going, but you want another one. We're convinced. Use us. Help us be obedient. Help us to take a risk today in the place and time and city where we live. In Jesus' name and God's men said, amen. Share this with a friend. Share it with the men's group and join the movement of Dangerous Good. We'll see you next week.